What is it about uniting residential care that makes it so special? It's more than just a job to us. Everyone who works here genuinely cares for their residents and we are all like one big family. That is what is important to me, that the residents know I'm always there for them. If you're looking for a supportive community that respects your individuality, we're here for you. Visit uniting.org today or call 1800 864 846. Oldie Goodie is a podcast series created for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a replacement for psychological assessment and treatment. Always consult your own healthcare professional. My 62nd birthday, I, I sat up in bed and said, I know what I want to do. I want to sing in a band. <laughs> what I like about end of life is generally all the garbage falls away and you're left with the core of the person. Just because you look a little bit different on the outside doesn't mean that you've changed on the inside. Hello and welcome to Oldie Goody, a podcast series that celebrates ageing and all that comes with it. I'm Nikki Buckley, wife and mother of three young men now, but perhaps better known to many of you for my years as television host on the game show Sale of the Century. But now I am so happy to be here as co-host of Oldie Goody with you, Matt, as we explore some of the interesting life changes we experience as we age. And I'm Matt Ferguson, husband, father of two, surfer, and I work with Uniting. I'm passionate about understanding how we can help people to age well. On each episode of Oldie Goody, Matt and I, together with some amazing guests, will be diving a little deeper into some of the more positive sides of ageing, because after all, getting older is just a part of life. So today's episode is all about celebrating sexuality and intimacy in older Australians, and I really don't think that this topic is spoken about enough, so I'm looking forward to shining more of a light on this one. Me too, Nikki. I've been really looking forward to today's episode. Even just doing the research has been interesting. One of the terms that I came across in the research was outer course. That really threw me. Never I heard don't of it. Even, no, me neither. I have no <laughs> idea what it is. I'm really looking forward to find out what it is. Yeah. We'll make a note to definitely ask about that one. When I knew we were discussing this topic, I kind of thought, yeah, it's a great topic to discuss. And then I thought, oh gosh, I'll be actually <laughs> discussing it. And now I realize how important it is to destigmatize sexuality and intimacy in older Australians. We don't talk about it enough. You know, we're not asexual and it shouldn't be taboo. So yeah, I'm excited about excited. it. Me too. I'm really excited. So let's get into it. Today, we're going to be joined by psychosexologist Chantelle Otten. Chantelle's really passionate about empowering people to feel great about their sexual health. And she joins us now in studio. Welcome, Chantelle. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're very excited as well. <laughs> I'd like to start off, if we can, I think it's really important that we start the conversation by asking you how you define sex. Oh, so I see sex as a really expansive term. I find it to be an umbrella term. It relates to a whole range of sexual experiences. And it really is about what you want it to be. You know, it can be about intercourse, penetration, if you like, but it can also just be about heavy petting. It can be about kissing. It can be about touching, whatever you want it to be, as long as it's fun and pleasurable. 
Today we're exploring, you know, how we celebrate sexuality and intimacy in older Aussies. So what we're talking about or asking is how does that desire change over the decades? I mean, for me, you know, we know what we know personally. I know what it was like when I was younger. I'm middle-aged now. I know what it's like. We're asking about how does it change in our 60s and our 70s and Mm. 80s and beyond? Well, I think this is a really good topic because not many people actually do talk about this transition. And it is a little bit of a transition through every single life stage. Of course, the sex that we had in our teenage years, if we were active then, is different to your 20s, your 30s, because you're exploring a little bit more, I think, around safer sex, around consent, around mutual kind of connection, and then maybe moving into more serious relationships, into love, into potentially marriage, into being a parent. So then going into your 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, 50s is around the time where vulva owners usually have menopause symptoms, perimenopause. So you do lose a lot of those important hormones that make you, I guess, feel really good. You can lose a little bit of lubrication, so a bit of energy. But of course, we have hormone replacement therapy that can help with that if you are eligible. And for penis owners, you know, in their 50s, you have a 50% chance of erectile dysfunction. So your penis might be a little bit softer. It's not going to be so penetration focused, your sexuality. Age 60, you have a 70% chance. So you really have to work on being a bit creative, mm-hmm. you know, really moving away from this penetration focus. It's really about outer course in these years as well. So everything that is non-penetrative and it's about pleasure. You're not aiming for a baby or to start a family at this age. You're just aiming for fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something to look forward to. Amen. (laughs) I know. Pleasure focused sex. (laughs) Absolutely. So we often talk about desire in marriages that are, say, 20 years marriages, you know, you'll see that a lot in sort of Hollywood films and TV shows and stuff. But how about when that gets onto that very long term, you know, the 40 and 50 year marriages? So how does desire change? How do you see that as changing across that long span? Well, I guess if you look back traditionally, we didn't used to live as long as we do now. So when you when you used to find someone, you'd be together maybe 30, 40 years because the lifespan was a lot less. So you could keep it pretty exciting. (laughs) These days we have like a couple of lifespans fit into one. You know, we're living till we're age 100. That means if you're, you know, with someone for 30, 40, 50 years, you're going to have to reinvent yourself over that period of time. And you're going to have to also really connect on different levels. Look at the person that you're with and think, well, what's curious and exciting about them now? Mm. What do I find mysterious about them now? We don't know everything about our partners. And I think that that's one really big mistake that we make in our society is that we find our partners super predictable. We feel like we know everything about them. There's an element also of control in many relationships as well. And I think we actually have to let go of that and really find a sense of differentiation. There needs to be some distance between us to cultivate excitement. There needs to be a bridge to cross. So I always encourage people to go do your own thing, have your own friends, find your own hobbies and meet in the middle, still plan a date night together, you know, prioritize sex because it's not going to be as spontaneous as you want. You have to make sure it's a little bit more reactive. Add in some fun things into the bedroom. If you're into toys, bring them in. If you want to play games, that's fine. But don't stick to the same sexual script. You know, I think that that's one problem that we have for any age. 
We go into the bedroom, we have sex in the same way, it's the same sexual menu. It would be like us all going out for dinner every week and we get spaghetti bolognese at the same Italian restaurant. We'd be over it. We don't want to go for dinner with each other anymore because we know what we're going to get. We need to try different cuisines, different spices, different menus, and that's a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think it's really interesting talking about needing to remain curious about your partner and not thinking that you know it all. Like I have been with my husband for, you know, nearly 40 years, I think, you know, so I can never think that I can really understand what's going on inside his head and and vice versa. So, Mm. yeah, I think that's really important to, to remain curious. Obviously, there are plenty of, you know, misconceptions about sex when you get older. To you, what are one of the biggest misconceptions I think that people would feel about, you know, sex when they're older? I think there is a stigma that sex stops once you hit a certain age, which is just not true because I have patients coming in in their 80s and they're single. And one of my patients from a few years ago, she was probably about 85 and she had just started up a sexual relationship with her neighbor. And she was like, how do I keep this fun? Because he's a little bit boring in the sack. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know what, you know, how do I tell him to make it more interesting? And I think that, you know, we need to move beyond this narrative that people in their older years are not erotic. We also know that with certain age conditions, you can become a little bit more erotic as well. So there are safety concerns around that age too. But I think it's really about just communication and saying, you know what, I'm still sexy. I still want to have fun. I still want to feel pleasure. I still want you to find my clitoris. You know, that's really important for me. I think that we should be more open about sexuality as we get older. Because I'm assuming when, you know, I'm in my mid-50s and, you know, I still think I'm 25, maybe 35. So You're I'm very ass- hot as well, you know. You're very nice to look at. <laughs> oh, so. <laughs> you gorgeous thing. So I'm assuming the same goes forward. You know, people in their 70s and 80s, that they're feeling like they're in their 50s. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to still be wanting it. You're only as old as you feel, right? 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think it is really about just having fun at that stage too. And I think losing a bit of this shame element too. Just be a bit open, you know. The reason why I'm a sexologist is because my parents are so open about their sexual lives. And um, for me, I realize like how important it is for an individual and in relationships too to be erotic. And then, you know, they just have fun with it. They don't tell me all the details, Mm. but I know they're getting laid, you know. I think it's pretty (laughs) obvious. And my grandma as well was was a very erotic person. She, She had an affair with my swim teacher. Like, I know that there was a lot of stuff going on. And she was single. You know, my grandfather died a long time ago. But it's just really interesting because I know that a lot of my friends didn't have that exposure, mm. you know, of, of their grandparents. All of mine have passed away now, but basically saying, hey, th- like, this is part of who I am and this is super important. And I hope that, you know, maybe a lot more people are encouraged to say, hey, it's healthy to yeah. be erotic. It's healthy to still have fantasies and, and sexual thoughts. It's fun as well. And to feel good about yourself. I know Amen. personally from my, my beautiful mother-in-law who is like my mother because we've been together, you know, so long. She's in an aged care facility. And so I, you know, I bought her some beautiful lingerie and I took it in to her because she asked, she said, Nikki, can you get me some more bras? So I got her some really pretty pieces and took them into her and, you know, we fitted them in there and she had the, you know, the care nurses in there and she put on this beautiful black lace bra 
And she just goes, oh, my gosh, I feel so sexy. You know, I feel like a movie star. And that uh, just made me feel, oh, gosh, I hadn't, you know, like I kind of wanted to get her something nice, but that's how she was feeling at, you know, 85. I can see it on your face. That was a really special moment. And you know what? It is special. There's nothing better than the people that we love feeling good about themselves. And feeling sexy is a really big part of that. You don't have to just stick to this narrative of, oh, you know, I'm a mother or I'm Mm. a a grandmother or my father or grandfather or grandparent, whatever you identify as. You don't have to just stick to this narrative, this box. You know, you can still be an individual. You can still be a sexy person. You can still be someone, if you're single, that is eligible to date. And I think it is about going out and feeling good and having fun, putting on makeup, doing your hair, getting your nails done. I always encourage people, there's nothing vain about taking care of yourself if it makes you feel amazing. 100%. It's almost like society says to people, when you get to a certain age, this is how you act. And so Mm. in your 70s and 80s, how are people experiencing their sexuality? How are they Almost, they may have come out of a long marriage. They may have one of the partners passed away. And so they're, they're now having to renegotiate or re-experience igniting that again. Yeah. I think it goes back to being a teenager, like your first time, you know, I don't think it rushes straight into this penetrative kind of narrative. It's kind of rediscovering again. So you, there might be one a few dates where there's some kissing involved, maybe some hand-holding, maybe some touching, that kind of thing. And it can keep moving from there. It's not about getting your kid off and being naked all of a sudden. It might even just be about, I mean, you can do that, but I think a lot of people just want to get familiar with themselves and with the other person first. So I think it is a bit more of a drawn-out experience. Unless, you know, there's some very sexual tension beforehand and I guess that that's agreed upon. I was actually talking about this topic the other day with one of my friends. Her dad has just moved back in with his father because of divorce. So he's living with his dad who's in his 80s and he came home the other day and his dad ran out and goes, you need to go right now. (laughs) You need to go right now. I've got someone here with me. And he was like, what? You're getting laid more than I am. What's (laughs) happening? So there's no prescription. Like I can't tell you the way it should be. I can tell you the way some people work with it, but other people like my friend's grandfather will just be like, no, I feel... I feel hot. I feel amazing. The person that I want to be with is ready. So let's just go do it and and have fun with it. I also think it's great because I think you're a a little less body conscious at that age as well. You know, I think that you just go, yeah, this is me. You know, here are my roles. Here are my wrinkles, but I'm good in the bed. You know, I'm good in the sack. Let's (laughs) have fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) There's a lot more practice there. So, you you know, you would hope so. You should be good at it by then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not my first rodeo. I guess you kind of answered this a little bit, but maybe expanding on it, where do intimacy, sex and friendship sit in a relation to each other and what is the importance of each of those as we grow older? I think, you know what, we can have desire without love. So we can desire someone and not love them and we can love someone and not not desire them. But I think at that stage, if you have a friendship with someone, there is elements of love and friendship within there. And if that kind of rolls into a narrative that there might be relational or sexual tension as well. It it can all coexist together, really. And of course, you can have sex with friends too. You don't need to feel like you have to be in a relationship with a friend. And I think that that's 
also a really healthy thing too. You know, if you're like looking around and thinking, I don't see anyone that I want to date or particularly if you're someone that doesn't want another person in your space, if you're used to having your space yourself, maybe you've been alone for a while, it might be a friends with benefits scenario. And that's also acceptable. We don't have to, you know, have any rules around our sex life unless, you know, we think about just safety and consent. Those are the only rules that you really need to have. And and is that, I mean, because I wouldn't know, I don't know about you, Matt, but is that going on with people in like their 70s and 80s and beyond, like sex with benefits? Yeah, yeah? of course. Yeah, because I know a lot of people that go, well, I've done the marriage, I've done the relationship thing, I've done the long term, I really like my own company now, I like my house, I like my space, I don't want blah, blah, blah to come into that and make it their space, but they are welcome to come into the bedroom, They're, you know, I'm happy to go on dates with them, but I want to live separately. And that's, I think that's a really healthy thing. If you know where you sit in terms of other people being in your space, I think that's healthy. Others, of course, want a partner in crime to live with them and and do all the things together. So I think it really is each to their own. But of course, you can make up your own prescription. Just riffing on that, like we we just talked about friends with benefits, with the benefits being sex. But what are the benefits to your life beyond dating sex so, you know so yeah. what are the some of the, uh, the offshoot benefits of a good healthy sex life well i mean on? across the entire lifespan there's so many health benefits because if you're getting skin on skin contact and that doesn't have to be erotic you can just sleep with someone you know you can be bed partners whatever or housemates that sleep together you're getting a release of all the beautiful feel-good endorphins. So oxytocin, dopamine, the bonding hormone, we've got serotonin. This means better sleep, less suppression, higher energy, stress relief as well, especially if you're into it doesn't have to be with another person. You can just be masturbating, self-pleasure. That's also really healthy. But there are so many health benefits as well to just having someone in your space too. I think that company is really important for loneliness. I think it is a, a remedy for a lot of depressive symptoms and anxiety, just having a friend there, a confidant, someone you can be yourself around is going to do wonders for your life. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's so important. We're talking about, you know, sex as we age. What about solo pleasure? Can you probably elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, so, you know, masturbation or masturbation, as a lot of people have been saying to me. I don't know where masturbation came from, but it's a bit more of a posh masturbation. You know, self-pleasure is important across all ages. And, you know, it it starts when we're pretty young, to be honest. I think self-pleasure is something that it's really individualized because I know a lot of young people would have probably got some negative messages around self-pleasure. But I'm hoping that as you get to an older age range that you've done a little bit more exploration to realize how important self-pleasure is. If you don't know your body, it's very hard to direct someone else to get to know your body if you are engaging in partnered sexual activities. But if you're not, you know, there's nothing wrong with touching yourself. You know, it's loving yourself. It's making yourself feel really good. And it's beneficial. It makes you less anxious, less depressed. You know, there are some great toys out there for penises, for vulvas. You know, there's also like self-pleasure that's not genital oriented. So self-pleasure is super important. Keep exploring yourself as you get older. When we're young, we think everything stays the same in our body, our shape, our size. You know, when you get to middle age, then we understand that everything starts going a little bit south. So as soon as we're discussing sex as we age, like how do our private bits change as we age? And does this kind of mean that like sex doesn't work as well? 
It's not that it doesn't work as well. It's just going to be a little bit different. So for vulva owners, that means that there's less blood flow down to the vulva, especially after menopause. You will also get that dip in estrogen, progesterone, and then hand in hand with that, a little bit of testosterone as well. So your sex drive may dip, but also you might get a little bit of a dry vagina. So there needs to be some lubrication there or some HRT or some moisturizers down there. There might also, you know, be the need for some pelvic floor physiotherapy because a a lot of people at that age might get prolapse kind of symptoms. It might also just be an area that's a little bit off bounds. You don't need to have that area fully working to have a good time in the sack. You know, there's lots of things that you can do. And if you think about it, the clitoris is the most important sexual organ. It might need a little bit more vibration you know, or a stimulation from a vibrator at Mm -hmm. that stage because it might be a little bit less sensitive, but you're still going to have fun and you still got, you know, a bottom, boobs, neck, belly, chest. You might just want an erotic massage. It doesn't have to have a happy ending. Beautiful. And then for penis owners, of course, there is the risk of the penis getting a little bit softer. There might be also some complications after conditions such as prostate cancer as well, where the penis won't work as well. But again, we have a whole body to explore that's not just penis oriented. You can also still have an orgasm if you have a flaccid penis. So if you play with a soft penis, you can still have an orgasm and ejaculation. So you touched briefly before a little bit on outer course. So mm. can you like explain a little bit more about that and the different types of outer course? Yeah. So, I mean, outer course is just a broad generalized term. It's all the things that are non-penetrative. So nothing's going into the vagina or, or into any other holes for that matter. It's really about feeling on the outside. So that might mean oral sex on a vulva or a penis. That might mean using a toy, a vibrator on the outside, on the clitoris. That might mean just playing with the chest, with the nipples. It might just mean, you know, a bum massage or rubbing against each other. You know, there's so many things that you can do that are just outside of that penetrative kind of narrative that are going to bring a lot of fun and pleasure. And ears, I find ears are really sensitive for people in their older years as well. So playing with the ears is also important. Or who doesn't love a good head scratchy or a head massage? That's pretty erotic too. So it's each their own. I was fascinated with the term. I hadn't heard the term until we started researching for Mm. this conversation, out of course, and I thought there's no marketing people were involved in that. That's a not a very sexy term for a sexy <laughs> thing, course. right? It's like out of course. Okay. You can say it and it does sound good. And it, the first time you said it, I was like, actually, that doesn't sound that sounds all I can right. Make now. Things sound out of very course. sexy. Yeah. <laughs> out of course. Out of yeah. course. <laughs> but it's kind of yeah, and then all right, it's the opposite of intercourse. So if I wanted help navigating some of these issues or things that are going to happen as I'm aging, as I am. So how can modern medicine or technology help me to move through these? So as a penis owner, if you're having difficulties with your penis getting hard, of course, you can go see a great GP or a urologist and get a prescription for Viagra or for Cialis or Viagra Cialis. And there are also options such as, you know, a prosthesis, a penile prosthesis, if all methods are exhausted and you're really focused on getting an erection. Um, You can come see a sexologist like myself. We can help you explore different ways to have sex too and how to have fun and also maybe incorporate your partner into 
using a penis pump if needed or using a ring that fits around the base of the penis to keep the blood in there too. If you've got a a vulva, of course, you know, you can go see a good gynecologist or an endocrinologist and really work on your hormones, hormone replacement therapy. You can get some topical hormones as well that just go down, you know, inside the genitals. So you do get some lubrication there. And of course, you know, it depends if you're eligible or not. Some people are not eligible for hormones because of breast or or ovarian cancer. And that means that you need to work with, you know, someone like myself. So get some good lubricants there, get some vaginal moisturizers, you know, get some great toys. But also, I think it's really about the conversation that you're having with your, your partner too and how to not feel ashamed. I think that shame is one layer that kind of comes into it because people feel a little bit strange about their bodies changing and then having to go, actually, that's not going to work for me. We're not going to be able to have sex the same way that we did. How do we keep going with this? And there shouldn't be shame attached to it because at the end of the day, we're all human. We're all going to change. I think it is about really going, well, what can we do rather than what can't we do? And that's my job to make you feel more confident in being sexy and having fun and for you to also, I guess, take some of those skills away with you too. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, on on that as well, these conversations, I guess, are just going to help everybody. So it's about keeping the conversation, you know, open. It was really intriguing and interesting for me to know that we're going to be talking with you today, you know, about, you know, sex in our 60s and our 70s and 80s, and hopefully we can help other people with that. So on that note, how can we help boost the sexual esteem of people, you know, the elderly people? Is it, you know, the conversations and just making it seem, just normalizing it all and letting everyone know it's normal. <laughs> 100%. There are some great books out there as well. I think there's one called Sex After 60, which was one of the first books that I actually read earlier in my career because I think that we need to take, you know, people my generation really need to take some pointers from people who are having changes with their body and having to change the way that they have sex because for my generation, we've only really been taught about cisgendered. So that means you fit with the gender that you were assigned at birth and then heteronormative, you know, heterosexual relationships, a assigned male with an assigned female. But as we know, you know, the world is colorful. There are people with different abilities out there. I'm in a relationship with someone with a disability. There are uh, also different sexual orientations too. So sex isn't just about penis and vagina. And I think we really need to take some inspiration from those who are not having this prescribed intercourse type of sex and who are really looking outside the box and focusing with the biggest sexual organ that they have, which is their brain. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about being creative. So what can you do that's going to bring you pleasure and have fun, but not going to make you feel like you don't work, Mm. you know? And I think we have to remember that if you're having a good time and you're both coming away and going, yeah, that was really pleasurable, that's success to me. That is a successful sexual relationship. And we need to move away from what we can't do and Mm. more towards, well, what can we do and what's going to feel really good for us? It's fascinating listening to you and I'm just sitting across and looking at this gorgeous young woman and what's popped into my head is like, how did you get into being a psychosexologist in the first place? (laughs) Um, Well, my family's Dutch. We were always pretty open about sex. It wasn't detailed. It was just that it's a healthy part of your life. I went into psychology, but I was always really open to, I, I think I'm a very empathetic person. So I would always be very aware of what was going on around me. And I was looking at all these relationships of my friend's parents and I was heavily involved in my grandmother's life as well. She had dementia for 10 years, so I was her carer. 
And I kind of realized like she had heightened eroticism during those last 10 years too. It was a bit naughty, actually. We had to put her in an all-female nursing home because she was just- I have heard about that. Yeah. She was like hitting on my dentist. She was hitting on everyone. And, you know, it became a little bit dangerous. So, we were kind of- You know, for me, I was like, you know what? Sex is such an interesting topic. There's so much going on. And I finished psychology and my mum sent me a TED talk by Esther Perel, who's a famous psychotherapist. So for anyone who hasn't heard of her, please look up her TED talks on infidelity and on the nuances of desire. And she basically just said, it's not black and white. And, you know, we used to, especially, you know, at that age for me, I think I was about 22 or something, 21, I don't know when I finished uni, but People were very black and white about infidelity. And I, I think we can understand as adults, we, we will see friends, we will see people that we know and people that we love and that also that love each other go through those kind of changes too. And it's, it's complex and it's layered. And I thought, well, I probably am not at the stage where I can really be talking about that because none of my friends are really in serious relationships, but I can talk about sex and I want to know who's talking about sex for me, for my parents, for my friends. And I thought, well, I'll be that person. So I did my science med degree through Sydney University, but I actually moved to Amsterdam at the same time. And I did my sexology degree there because I have a Dutch passport. And I learned from the best people in the world because they were able to talk about it a lot more freely than we were here. You know, it's part of the medical system there. It needs to be more part of the medical system here. That we have some great sexologists that I, you know, got to speak with before I ended up going along this journey and and they are medical sexologists um, over at Monash and they were just like, just do it. You know, there's so much to talk about here and there's so much more for us all to learn. And so I did. I worked I worked really, really hard and I came back to Australia when I was 26 and, and started my career and it, it was great. And, you know, I got married. I got divorced. I'm 30 now. I've done a lot oh, of things. Oh, you've done it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I would just, I'll try it all. Young people often look at older people's sexuality, you know, like parents, I can't believe they're doing mm. it or whatever it is. So, do you have any advice to younger people who often question or dismiss their parents' sexual interests because of their age? Would you like to be shamed for your sexual interests at your age? I think you can't you can't judge anyone, you know, just because you look a little bit different on the outside doesn't mean that you've changed on the inside. And I think that if we are going to be saying ew or yuck or gross to our parents or to our grandparents, that's on us. That's not about them, you know, and I think you really need to think about if you would like to be told ew or gross or yuck about your sex life. I don't know. Does anyone here have any thoughts on what you would say if someone would, you know? I'm just hearing my kids. In my I'd be ears. like, go to your room. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if, you know. Find you, a new home. <laughs> <laughs> they do say it, I guess. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably education and, and just, but that's, you know, good coming back to them and saying, hey, you know, that we're not judging you, so don't judge us. And you will be our age one day and yeah. guaranteed you'll still be wanting to do it. <laughs> and probably just like, do you want me to feel like I'm not a sexy person? Do you want me to feel not good about myself? Because I would never wish that on you. You know, I think that is the education and, and it's just, it doesn't have to be as harsh as I said before, like go find a new home. It really is about sitting down and going, hey, you know, we, we still want to have fun and I would hope that you would be happy for us, that we are 
still having fun because there are a lot of parents out there and a lot of grandparents that are not having as much fun as we are, you know, and this is keeping our relationship alive and healthy, which is important for you too. I think that's beautifully it's, said. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's su- such a strong Hollywood trope, isn't it? Like mm. it's kind of an easy joke to go to in, in movies. So they just latch onto it. And oh, sex in general that- just gets a really bad rap in movies, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, Chantelle. It's been amazing. It's been eye-opening. And it's actually giving me some things to look forward to as I age. (laughs) There's so much. There's so much. And if you ever need some recommendations for some toys or lubricants, I'm here for you. I'll send through a full list. I've got you. (laughs) (laughs) We might take you up on that. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Wow. Um, (laughs) That was really confronting. That's really made me rethink my thoughts about sexuality personally and for my parents and 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 getting older i I just found that intensely interesting is it something that guys would normally discuss i i think thinking about it like blokes around uh, the fire pit having a beer would be at a a very superficial level and you'd never delve into it that deeply or with that much understanding and questioning of how sexuality works that that yeah, that's really sat me back on my heels. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, I found it confronting as well. Like, <laughs> it's not I, just me. I was mesmerized by her. Gosh, I think the thing that resonated with me was, you know, at, towards the end, and I've seen this with my kids where, you know, maybe I've had a bit of a passionate kiss with my hubby on New Year's Eve, and they're like, oh, gross, yuck, you know, and, and the way she put it, you know, like, hey, we're not judging you kids, you know, for the way you are. So, don't judge us. You know, you'll be our age at one time. And, you know, do you not want me to feel good about myself? Because I wouldn't wish that upon you. I love the way she put that. And I think- mm. It's um, a beautiful sentiment, wasn't it? It's, it's uh, yeah. I, I, I'm going to have to- <laughs> You're in shock. I'm going to have to spend some time <laughs> processing all of that. Yeah. And uh, so, we'll see what happens when she sends a gift box to us. <laughs> <laughs> We're joined now by clinical psychologist Melissa Levine. Now, Melissa specialises in older people's mental health and dementia. And Melissa is with us in the studio to discuss some of our key takeaways from that insightful chat with Chantel. So, welcome, Mel. Thank you so much, Nikki and Matt. I am thrilled to be here. Great to have um, you. Especially for this topic. I love that we're talking about this. I knew you would. Well, Something that Chantelle touched on lightly, and I wanted to ask you more about it, is eroticism in people with dementia. Now, I believe this is a topic that you can share some more insight with us on. Yeah, absolutely. So, I think, you know, a lot of us assume that as we get older, that we sort of become asexual, we lose our sort of desire for intimacy, for pleasure, for affection. And then we have a further assumption that if you then have dementia, well, you know, then clearly sex is off the table. But in fact, that's not the case. So, having dementia does not negate that sort of fundamental human need for contact, for intimacy and for sexual pleasure. What it does do, though, is often change opportunities to have that need met. And what I tend to see a lot in dementia that 
is really tricky for families and for carers is this issue of sexual disinhibition. So when we think of dementia, we often think of the thinking symptoms. Mm. So forgetfulness or difficulty finding a particular word. But we also know that that same pathology or the same changes in the brain can also affect our behavior. And one of those behavior is our is our ability to regulate our um, sexual desires and behavior so that it's appropriate. I can imagine it would become really difficult for family members really to be able difficult. to deal with that or to know what to do because as we're saying and discussing, you know, they still have those feelings and desires and, and we shouldn't be shutting them down. Absolutely. And I, and I think what I love about um, being here today, and thank you for having me, is in talking about this topic, and I, it is it is confronting, it is uncomfortable because it's not something that we're used to discussing so openly, but I think starting the conversation is the first step because for those of you who are listening, you're certainly not alone. If this is something that you're seeing in your loved ones, your parents, your grandparents, you're not alone and there are things that we can do about it. What can we do? <laughs> what can we do? So, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the first thing is we're not trying to stop the behavior. So, it's not that um, for an older person with dementia that we're trying to to stop or deprive them of that sexual contact or, or pleasure. We're just trying to make it more appropriate. So, for example, if you have an older loved one who touches themselves in a public space, maybe you provide some pornographic material in a private space and then they have a privacy and a, and a time to, as Chantelle said, that sort of self-pleasure. It's, it's not bad or I think we have a lot of negative connotations around that. It's just a really natural part of being human. Something that we also see is that for older people that perhaps don't have a, a partner or somebody to um, engage with sexually, there are actually professional sex workers who specialize in working with older adults with dementia. Wow. Um, and that can be really powerful. The other thing, and, and Chantelle mentioned this, is that it doesn't need to be sex in inverted commas, or mm -hmm. I think she called it penetrative sex. Can be things like for some of my my clients having regular hand massages or head massages or even just somebody you know place a hand on their shoulder or give them a hug. It's it's that need for physical contact, and I think following COVID, we probably all recognise mm. that even when we get to see the people we love on a screen or talk to them on the phone, it's not the same. We we want to hold them. We want to be close to them. I think sex is one part of that, but the idea of physical contact and intimacy is so much broader. It's so important to, you know, to be discussing it. I, I can imagine it'd be very confronting for people that, say, work in residential aged care or nursing homes as well. Do you have any experience in how they deal with just that very question of absolutely so and i think you're absolutely right it is confronting i think a huge piece that perhaps we can work on and and maybe do a little bit better with is educating our carers our nurses around how to respond to this because i think when you're not prepared for it it's even more confronting. So often being able to put language to it, being able to understand, you know, it's not deliberate, it's not malicious, it is part of the disease in terms of dementia. So I think a lot of education would be really helpful there. 
But what I'm really delighted by is that the the culture in residential aged care is changing. So I think historically, perhaps people turned a bit of a blind eye to the idea of sex in residential aged care. And in fact, for a long time, couples, when they moved into residential aged care, were often physically separated and put into sort of two separate rooms. So, you know, really going against the idea that perhaps they still want to share Mm. a bed. But what's happening now is that um, older people can often share a room, which I think is really beautiful. And also, we even have residential aged care facilities that do provide, for example, pornographic material that perhaps has been approved by um, the substitute decision maker or family member responsible for that person with dementia. There are facilities that do invite in qualified professional sex workers um, for their residents. (laughs) It is, but I think it's really important because embedded in that is just this understanding that it's just a need. And how can we meet this with dignity, with sensitivity? What can be really challenging though is so sometimes in dementia, people lose their ability to, I guess, consent or or to make decisions for themselves. And often then we defer to their sort of legally appointed substitute decision maker. And I'm, I'm thinking of one patient who was an older gentleman who was quite sexually disinhibited and having to have a conversation with his daughter mm. around, you know, whether we could provide pornographic material so that, you know, he could have that behavior in, in sort of a, a private space and, and still meet that need. And oh, I just really, really felt for his feeling because now. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, a credit to her, she, I think, really just benefited from, again, that education mm-hmm. around where the behavior comes from. And, and also knowing one of her questions to me was, what do other families do? Mm. And what I love about talking about this is that people can know you're not alone. And it's not that your mom, your dad, your granny, your grandpa, something strange about them or wrong with them. It's absolutely not. Gosh, that is so insightful. And I'm sure will help that many people because I've never even thought about it, let alone would I know what to do if, if, you know, that question was asked of me. So it's great to see that the, the, the sector of aged care is actually moving in that direction because uh, in 2017, La Trobe University, they did the largest national study of sex and relationships for older people. It was called Sex, Age and Me. And that was one of the, one of the, the big things that participants answered was that they were really concerned about how their sexual expression would be supported in aged care. So it's fantastic to see that, you know, maybe that prompted mm. some moves in the right direction. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think, you know, working at the hospital that I work at, it's right in the inner city of Sydney. And we have a really, I suppose, I don't know if Chantel would say this is the right term, but I guess sexually diverse population. We have, I think, the largest population in, in Australia of ageing sex workers. Um, we have lots of same-sex couples. We have people that identify as transgender. Again, I hope I'm using all the right sort of terminology, but we've got this really beautifully diverse pool of people. And As they get older, a lot of them need care and formal residential care. 
And there were a lot of nerves about going into that environment because I think historically they've been assumed to be fairly sort of sterile, asexual, you know, straight-laced places. But it's really beautiful. I'm thinking of one facility that's just around the corner from the hospital, actually. They do a lot of things to celebrate, for example, pride and LGBTQIA+ communities and and it's embraced so it's I think there's a huge shift that's happening in that space um, and I think people can feel more confident and more comfortable in transitioning into residential care and I would also say at the time of interviewing with the facility ask these questions I know it's uncomfortable I know you almost can't put words to it but ask because it's really important that just like it's the right social fit that it's also the right sexual fit I'm going back to ask yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think the future around this is really exciting. And I think the fact that this is even a podcast episode mm. is really exciting. Thanks, Mel. That's a Thank lot to think about. Thank me. you. Thank, Thank you for your you. time today. I look forward to chatting again yeah. soon. Thank you. Well, Matt, that's it for today's episode of Oldie Goodie. For more information on anything we've discussed or to find out more about Chantelle Otten, head to oldiegoodie.com.au. Thanks, Nikki, and I've certainly learnt a lot today, in particular all about my new favourite word, out of course. <laughs> I think the thing I love about this word is how inclusive it is for everyone. Every single person is entitled to intimacy, regardless of age, sex, disability, health conditions... Yeah, you know what? You are so right, Matt. And I'm so glad that we covered this topic today too. Like it's certainly been insightful for me and everyone else, I hope, and hopefully opens up a few more conversations so that we can normalise the stigma around celebrating sexuality and intimacy in older Australians. To be the first to hear our new episodes, don't forget to subscribe to Oldie Goody wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to reach out with any questions or even topics that you'd love us to explore, you can email us at hello at oldiegoody.com. Thanks for joining us. Bye now. See ya. What is it about uniting residential care that makes it so special? It's more than just a job to us. Everyone who works here genuinely cares for their residents and we are all like one big family. That is what is important to me that the residents know I'm always there for them. If you're looking for a supportive community that respects your individuality, we're here for you. Visit uniting.org today or call 1-800-864-846.